Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. Bang, bang, what is up, hackers, and welcome back to the show. And as always, I hope everyone is doing fantastic out there, and I hope you guys have been enjoying the lineup of guests we've had on the show so far. We are absolutely rolling, and thank you again to the Goalie Gear Nerd on uh, last week's two-hour Total Gear segment special, which you guys requested and asked for. And if you haven't heard it yet, he dropped a crazy amount of information the public hasn't heard before. I knew you guys would love it, and the feedback was phenomenal, so make sure to go listen back to that one if you haven't yet. This week on the podcast, we have a good friend of mine from the online world, 20-year U.S. military special forces veteran and the creator of the famous vector ball, John Lindsay. In this conversation, we discuss what U.S. military and special forces training is like, what separates the elite from the average, how exactly they approach mental performance, and what you can do today to start dominating the mental side of athletics. It was such a good convo. And thank you, John, for coming on. So make sure to listen to this one all the way through. And on another note, we are close to being almost halfway through the fiscal year for the podcast, just two weeks away from the halfway point of the show, episode 26. And, you know, I just want to say thank you to everyone who tunes in, subscribes, listens to this production, uh, and supports Goalie Hacks and my work in any way, likes my stuff, reposts anything. Like, it it honestly means the world to me. You guys have no idea. And if you guys remember when I announced the mission of this program and project in uh, in episode one, the intro to the show, I said that if this show could help even just one person get to the next level, my purpose and mission would be complete. And I'm so happy that the program has had a significant and tremendous impact on people's success. I'm having so much fun serving you guys and bringing value to the goalie community. And I'm forever grateful to everyone who's been here from the start. Uh, sincerely, sincerely so grateful. So we got a long way to go, and week by week, I'm continuing to try and improve the program, my interview style, the guests, etc., everything. I'm constantly trying to level up, adapting and molding to what you guys need and want. So with that being said, don't hesitate to drop me an email, uh, goaliehacks at gmail.com or a DM on Instagram at goaliehacks, and you know provide some feedback. If you've liked what we've been doing, if you don't like some stuff, things you, things you think need improvement um you know like i got a pretty thick skin so don't worry about offending me any feedback is great feedback i i appreciate you all taking the time to reach out and and put yourself out there and provide me with some insight so um if you want a chance to be featured on the show remember to head to speakpipe.com slash goalie hacks to record a question and submit it for a chance to be on our next podcast q a episode we have several submissions now and only need a couple more to get to recording and feature you guys on the show. So make sure to head over there ASAP uh, after this episode. Record your question and send it in. Maybe take a minute, think about it, right? Because you're going to be live on the show. And I would love to feature you guys in the show. So um, definitely head over there after the show and get your question in. I'd love to have you guys on. As always, shout out to my patrons and the lifeblood of this project so far. Can't thank them enough really for supporting my work uh, financially and incredibly excited to continue working together with everyone. And if you haven't heard yet, 
Um, for just a few bucks a month, you can get a bunch of extra perks and, and basically work with me side by side. But we run monthly private Zoom sessions only available to members of my mentorship program where I basically give a talk on how to approach the current month, where we're at in sort of the the four-quarter cycle of throughout the year. And then I open it up to a Q&A with everyone where they can ask as many questions as they want. And I sort of uh, tell people how to approach the period we're going into to basically... Um, you know, to get an edge over the competition. How do you approach it mentally? How do you approach it physically? And we're going into the start of the year. So we'll be diving right into how exactly you can approach getting into the season so you can get off with a bang no matter when your season starts. And if you want access to the ex- exclusive private webinar, I'll be ta- it'll be taking place next Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So make sure to jump on board beforehand to get access to this private session. Shout out to our other main sponsor. And if you haven't heard yet, the new VR NTX is not far out. In fact, the new NeuroTracker X software is VR compatible. So that's not the issue. Um, but I'm excited to announce all the details with you guys soon. I know you won't be disappointed, but if you're looking to get started in the meantime, just hit me up directly and I'd be happy to provide more details on how to get started today. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. I know you guys are going to love the chat John and I had today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's conversation on the Goalie Hacks podcast. Today on the show, I have a very cool and much different interview than what we've had so far. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by John Lindsay, ex-Special Forces in the U.S. military with over 20 years of experience. And since retiring from the military, John has found his passion facilitating athletic development by applying technology and design to create sports training equipment that enhances focus and concentration. He's the founder and creator of the famous Vector Ball Cognitive Vision Training Tool, and his mission is to improve athlete's speed of reaction and ability to process visual information quickly and accurately. John, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, yeah, right on, man. Well, welcome to the show. Finally, I actually asked John a while back to come on and I've put it off a bit until now, but I just want to say that I, I've been watching your work from afar, John. I love your product. Uh, I love your work and what you're doing. And also thanks for sending me a couple balls and, and working with us on that giveaway a while back. Um, people love the product and we're pumped about it. And I'm actually making some review videos right now on, on uh, John's vector balls and they're fantastic. So what have you been up to during COVID so far? Uh, we're trying to survive. <laughs> it's been uh, like everywhere else. It's been uh, a lot of frustrations, but it also provides opportunities. Every time there's a limitation or every time there's a bump in the road, um, it sort of forces you in a direction. And uh, sometimes that helps you develop some things that uh, that help you get better. So we're surviving and uh, we're doing well. Yeah. Well, does uh, Vector Ball got anything cooking on the horizon that maybe you can give us a little sne- uh, sneak peek on if you feel comfortable? Uh, yeah, just like anything else, every time uh, just in the sports or anything else, you always uh, next time out, you try to do something a little bit better. So um, we're actually uh, working on a new design where we hope to bring out a Vector Ball Plus um, which we think we can uh, make some design changes and make it uh, a little stronger and uh, last mm-hmm. a little longer. So we're real excited about that. Well, I'm excited to see it. Uh, that's pretty cool, man. And I've, like I said, I love the, the, the original vector ball here. Um, but maybe we can dive right into the show and get rolling. And maybe you can just start off by uh, briefly introducing yourself, you know, where you've been and, and sort of where we're at now. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I've kind of uh, 
come from a kind of a traditional family background. Um, back when I was younger, uh, my dad parents uh, owned a farm. Uh, so when I was young growing up, I actually milked cows, uh, woke up at 3.34 in the morning and milked cows. So I wow. uh, always kind of raised with a, uh, a significant work ethic. And then um, after high school and uh, joined the military, uh, primarily going into combat arms, I was in infantry uh, units, was in the 75th uh, Airborne Ranger Battalion, got out, went to Texas A&M, went to OCS, became an officer, uh, then went to the Special Forces Qualification Course, uh, spent a significant amount of time in Special Forces and Special Operations Unit, mm-hmm. and then toward the tail of my career there, uh, kind of got into more of the training side on the mil- on military training, um, and then a, a handful of years ago ended up retiring and uh, and moving on to the next chapter, and that's what I'm doing now with the vector ball and um, and the things that uh, we've talked about with coaching and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I, I want to dive right into your military experience, if you don't mind, because I think you can just provide a, an incredible amount of insight and perspective into, you know, what's considered some of the most elite training in the world. And I'm just curious, how would you say, you know, your time in the military was, if you can, you know, if you can describe the process behind the training that they put you guys through? Yeah, sure. It's it's uh, it's different. Um, it's even different within within the uh, formations within the uh, institutions in the military. Um, it's in some ways it's uh, very very basic um, as you go through some channels, and it's more uh, very. It's all all about you know being uh, in step with your uh, with your formation with what you're trying to do and, and learning those aspects. Um, and then as I moved on to the 75th Rangers, you know, one of their motto is sua sponte, which is Latin for of their own accord. So you get into a training mentality that's gets into, and, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, uh, gets into the mentality of uh, being, where, being uh, aware of a dynamic situation and the training that, that carries you on to that uh, preparedness for a dynamic situation. And then as I went into special operations, it kind of, uh, went into that all the more, um, aspects of training basics, detail, and then the dynamics of unknown situations. Yeah. And what kind of dynamic situations are you talking about exactly? Maybe you can articulate that a little bit. Um, so there's there's one of the terms that uh, a, a friend of mine uses uh, that does that's a that was a special ops guy um, and it's a it's a term that oh he didn't invent but it's a term that we use a lot and uh, the term is uh, that he uses is called brilliant and the basics um, and it's it's a really really informative term uh, brilliance and the basics. And the, the ability to train and to be able to have precision in the fundamental task creates a, a complex brilliance and the ability to do that consistently and well. So brilliance in the basics, I guess, is another way for the process of training is it's some, you know, it, it, some elements you look at it and may kind of get to almost be a mundane thing and, okay, this is... But then you sort of realize that there is a right, there's a reason behind the madness. And you're looking at being able to execute fundamental 
uh, individual task extraordinarily well. And then again, the term that we like to use is brilliance in the basics, uh, being brilliant by being able to execute the basic fundamentals consistently, accurately all the time. And you're sort of pertaining. So breaking that down a little bit, um, you're pertaining to like detail, like every little thing you guys do, uh, they really harped on sort of that, that deep, deep work detail. Yeah, there's uh, another term that we use a lot is uh, attention to detail. And when you first, when I first joined the, uh, when I first came in, um, you, you you sort of have a way that you think. You sort of have a culture that you come from and the, the, the primarily civilian kind of laid back culture. Um, but when you get into the military, it's not laid back. Um, it's very, you know, notoriously kind of strict and, yeah. And there's a there's a term another term that we use that the that the uh instructors use a lot is you know attention to detail, attention to detail. And it's uh quite frankly it's uh, it be quite frustrating and quite maddening sometimes, but there's a point to it because the details matter. And what water part of the training is is when then instructions are given or a task is provided is you're not just doing it kind of as a hand wave. You're not doing the task as kind of like, you know, close enough. You're paying attention to the details of exactly what you need to do in the sequence. And they, and the other aspect is sequence is scored. You have to do this step before that step. If you do it out of sequence, you're given a no-go and you got to, you got to keep going until you get it right. You're going to do it. You're going to do it this way and attention to detail in the execution um, this was something that on the, on the basic military aspect is attention to detail and, and, uh, being, being, uh, competent in the fundamentals. Yeah. And why do you think they just harp on that so much? I'm just curious, you know, maybe you can connect that a bit to, to sport and why paying attention to detail matters so much. Well, I, I, the easy answer to that is, is that they're building a, they're building you up mentally so that you can perform under pressure. Mm. They're building you up so that you can, so that you can do it. Uh, and I don't like the word instinctively, but I'll use the word instinctively. Yeah. Um, because if you go through the training and, and really look at performing the detail, performing the basic fundamental task with competence, and that's key because simplicity executed brilliantly leads to fantastically complex execution that is pretty cool when it when it comes when it comes off but you have to have it at that if you don't have that baseline if you don't get the fundamentals right if you don't get that fundamental task right and there is a right and a wrong there's a correct way to do it and also if you're working in a team environment then there's a there's sort of an expectation of a teammate of what you're going to do you can't just kind of you're not then and again, we'll get into the differences as we go forward in the conversation, I'm assuming. But yeah, there's an aspect of, you know, in your team, you, you, there's a play. And when you call the play, the other guy's got to go the right direction. And he's mm-hmm. got to pay attention to detail and he's got to do it correctly. And the better he can do the fundamental task correctly, then the better the, the operation's going to go. And then that fundamental detail and just hammering that in become something that you can do more instinctively. And I'll, I'll tell you something else that just clicked in my mind mm. um, that I think is um, 
another, you know, we had, I guess we got lots of terms, uh, things, you know, it, it, everyone, <laughs> I love you know, it. I love it. It helps you click better with people, but it's, um, there's a, he says, no one rises to the occasion. Everyone sinks to their training. So when you're in a stressful situation, when you're in a situation that's, uh, you know, that's, that's where there's a lot of stress or a lot of pressure. Uh, again, one of the stasis is in a stressful situation, no one rises to the occasion. Everyone sinks to their training. So focus on your training because at the end of the day, that's really what happens. People talk about rising to the occasion, but I would argue that that's not actually what happens. The guy's well-trained, he's well-prepared. And when the stress kicks in, he can sort of rest on that training, those fundamentals that's been pounded into him, and then he can execute and do his job well. Yeah. So you're basically talking about that training sort of uh, conditions the subconscious mind a bit to to sort of uh, get into a routine, into a rhythm, so that way you can find that state of flow uh, when you're out in the job and sort of under pressure. Right, exactly. And that basically pounding in the various details to make sure because, you know, details matter. And uh, in order to get to a, uh, again, the brilliance and the basics, being able to execute the fundamental task and then build from there. And then when things go wrong, which they will, and when mm -hmm. things get a little dicey, which they do, um, <laughs> you can sort of just rest on that execution because you said at the end of the day, this is what I'm going to do. And this is going to lead me into a successful situation. It's going to influence success. Yeah. Well, I'm just curious, what was sort of the biggest surprise for you when you first got to the military and went through the training? Um, basically, I, 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 I kind of circling back to what we talked about is the definition of the word detail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, you're going in, you know, you... Uh, and it's, it's like a lot of things, but you think you know something and you, uh, they use a word that's a simple word. Most people have the word detail in their uh, vocabulary. Yeah. Um, but you quickly learn that the meaning of that word is not quite what you, uh, what you meant it to be. And just, uh, just, just kind of amping it up a little bit, you know, just attention to detail and the details matter. And, and someone else is relying on you to execute this correctly right. with that level of detail, with that level of, and you can, and you can almost interchange the word detail, I think with precision, you want to be able to execute the fundamental task. You want to be able to do this correctly with that detail, with precision. And I think that's one of the things that uh, it's, you know, there's a lot of tasks out there that people look at and go, Oh, that's easy. You know, it's, Oh, that's easy. That's simple. But you're, it's probably simple to do it, not very well. Yeah. But if you really provide the precision and 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 the execution and the detail, which I think is uh, synonymous in, in in numerous areas, that's where you get brilliance. That's where you get the and that's the thing is is that the detail, the precision, in the basics, in the fundamentals, uh, leads you to uh, to leads you to higher places. Yeah. I'm just curious, and you, you talk about obviously a lot of lessons have sort of come up already, um, and I love them. But I'm just curious for you, what was probably the two um, the two most important lessons that you learned that just had a tremendous impact on on the rest of your life that the military taught you? Um, it's it's for the most part, and again, lots of these uh, little slogans that we learn. 
Um, and again, they 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 teach them to you because it helps you remember. It helps yeah, you sort of sure. it drains into your. And obviously, I still remember it. Um, but there's a lot of aspects of the relationship between simple and complex. Um, because that's a lot of things I think people don't. A lot of, especially I think younger people um, more so, but a lot of people tend to look at. A, a com- they they want to jump to the complex and they want to start on uh, on a level because they for whatever reason subconsciously they want to feel like a pro or they want to feel yeah. like a, you know whatever the 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 and I don't think the thing that you learn is is that being able to execute the fundamentals brilliantly lead you to the complex actions that are the at pro level and then having that relationship understanding the relationship between the fundamental basics and the complex brilliance Mm -hmm. and and that's i think what uh, in time this you sort of you it takes time to get it because you know you say oh this is easy this is stupid this is why am i working on this you know and you understand you, you, it takes you a while, but you hopefully eventually get it that the brilliance and the basics, the uh, the ability to execute the fundamentals well, is 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 the critical building block that leads you to complex, brilliant ac- actions um, and 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 building on that. And that's and the fundamentals are is where that comes from. And you're and that's and it's 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 ninety percent of that super complex movement. Yeah. I always hear this saying, I don't know if you've heard it before, but people say uh, smooth is fast. Um, and that sort of kind of relates to what you're just saying. Have you heard that before? I slow is that. I, I, so that's a, uh, when I, when I went to uh jump master school, um, that's, I, I want to say they invented the term. <laughs> um, because when you, when you go to, uh, so jump master, when you're airborne, jump out of airplanes yeah. and then, uh, a senior parachutist, uh, if you get an opportunity to go to what we call jump master school and a jump master is the senior guy who actually is responsible for the planning coordination actions in the aircraft, but he's also mm-hmm. responsible for inspecting every single jumper. So when a jumper, uh, dons his equipment, i.e. the parachute, yeah. um, he puts it on. And then every single person has to be what we call JMPI, Jump Master's Personal Inspection. Mm. So the Jump Master will come through and inspect. And some of the guys are younger guys. And obviously, it's a bad thing if you don't put it on right. Uh, <laughs> you really kind of don't want it falling off or slipping or something. Well, uh, it never falls off, but it, if it's not on, it, it can hurt. Um, good to hear. <laughs> so there's a, there's a, and for the school, uh, they're going through this very, very, and it's one of the hardest parts of the whole school because you got to go through and check and inspect the harness. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's, there's like, there's a whole bunch of little checkpoints you're going through and inspecting, looking at the risers, looking at the hookers, looking at everything, making sure it's safe. And they, there's, they have four jumper jumpers for the test. They have four jumpers lined up. And I forgot how much time it was. It seemed like it was like a minute and a half or something you have to inspect four guys thoroughly. Wow. And um, so you would, you'd have to, you know, and then that's for the purpose you get, but that was the term in order to do something that is 
in order to make it, in order to finish this on time, you're going to have to go slow. And it seems like an oxymoron, but I can, I, I, I can tell you that's a true statement because mm -hmm. the guy that tries to go fast is going to fail. But the guy who does the, the, the you know, they, and they repeat this in nauseum, slow is smooth, smooth is fast, slow is smooth, mm -hmm. smooth is fast, methodical, deliberate, don't make mistakes because going fast and making a mistake is what's going to sink you going methodically and not making a mistake. That's where you're going to reach the finish line and get there on time. So mm -hmm. I, I, I violently agree with that. And I think it is, I think it applies to so, so many things. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast, sort of processing it and make sure that you uh, are not just uh, going through and, and, and getting, and get, getting ahead of yourself and skipping something or moving or not seeing uh, what is a critical flaw and, and, and leads to a, uh, leads to a, a very negative result. Yeah. This, it's sort of, uh, uh, the one situation I think about relating to goaltending is oftentimes, um, when there's sort of a rebound, a lot of goalies have that initial reaction to just panic and just dive across when really, if you just pivot a little bit and bring your knee up and then push, even though you're, you're, it's, you're sort of taking that extra half a second, one second to make the right decision. Typically it ends up, uh, you end up getting over a much better position, being able to make a much easier save than if you would have just dove. And, um, it's something that you got to train into your mind, which is obviously what they're, what they're trying to train into you. And it, it leads back to the beginning of the conversation with the fundamentals that once you get those fundamentals down, you're very good at those fundamentals. Then it becomes very easy to speed things up. Then it becomes very easy to sort of become an athletic, uh, an elite athletic performer, I guess. Right. 100% agree. And I think there's a lot of synergy there is like, you know, you understand, I mean, panicking is, um, is the enemy to everything. Um, and, and, you know, keeping your head and all this other stuff, but yeah, the, the, the slowest, smooth, smooth is fast. And then the focus on the, the details and the fundamentals and the basics. And if you're, and, and, you know, trust it is another term, um, trust your training, Yeah, you know, trust your training trust your abilities. And if you can rest in your training, if you can rest in your abilities, if you can focus on the fundamentals and if you can go slow as smooth, smooth as fast, then the results is very, very deliberate, uh, very rapid, very successful movements. Um, and that's, it's a, it's a good outcome and it's sometimes it's mm -hmm. counterintuitive and that's why you have to be trained because the young guys tend to, you know, want to jump and leap and, and they basically have a lot of, there's a term that I use that I like to use. I call it athletic panic. Mm. And you see when an athlete gets inside their uh, cognitive decision cycle um, and they see something come at them that appears to be something that's, you know, uh, beyond what they can control. Um, they go into what I call an athletic panic and you see that, you know, they forget everything they've been taught. Yeah. yeah. They forget everything they've learned. And they, don't, and they say, what the heck was that? What did you <laughs> just do? Why did you do that? You had plenty of time, but they don't, you know, and, and the ability to sort of, uh, process the information to, you know, the slowest move, smoothest, fast, focus on the fundamentals, just don't panic, 
just yeah. you know just and 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 uh and and but it's easier said than done but that's why oh, right. again back to the focus on the training and the pounding in of attention to detail attention to the fundamentals the basics and then brilliance in the basics and then right. and uh and 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 100 agree yeah. Well, I want to dive uh, into your time with the special forces because I, I would imagine it was probably a big eye opener just going through all the training and everything. Uh, I'm just curious, why did, why exactly did you want to join the special forces initially? Um, I, that's just kind of been personality of who I who I was. I mean, I always wanted to be uh, associated with you know the the elite frontline spear kind of guys. Um, there was a person who wrote a book a while back called the company they keep. Mm. Um, and it was actually a wife of one of the, um, uh, it was, it was a, it was a wife of one of the, um, uh, special forces guys that actually wrote the book, but, but talked about, you know, basically the, the, uh, synergy of personalities and the people who are, that tend to gravitate toward that. And I think, uh, probably similar things in a lot of sports teams. You got that camaraderie. You got the people, your buddies, your friends, yeah. and the people that you're hanging out with that are basically like-minded in their pursuit of excellence. They're mm-hmm. they're out there trying to uh, perform uh, better and actually trying to uh, and have a certain work ethic, trying to uh, push themselves both uh, individually and collectively. Yeah. And maybe you could take us through, you know, exactly what the training was like to to be accepted into the unit and what the hardest part about trying to become a special forces soldier was for you. So this is this is going to sound completely contradictory to what we've just been talking about. But again, <laughs> when you go into the SF world, there's some there's some interesting things. Yeah. Um, so when you go to uh, special forces assessment and selection, SFAS, um, one of the things that has, it's very difficult because you're going from, you know, sort of, it's a little counterintuitive and it, it based on coming from the army and it's all task condition and standard, you know, detail, blah, 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 everything we've been talking about, which is still going to be, it's still going to be relevant, but in the way that they do the selections, you could basically sum up the entire process in two words, no standards, no standards. Mm-hmm. and that is absolutely now let me explain it just a little bit and hopefully yeah. it'll make sense the again the reason behind the madness but when they do a particular event there is not a standard there is not okay you have to do at least 50 push-ups mm. they get up there and they say do as many as you can and you're like well, you, it's you're not used to that. Yeah, you're used right. to them being, hey, go do ten, go do twenty, go do whatever, go to. But they'll just say, here, here, they'll give you a task, but no condition or standard. They'll say, so we would go out there uh, every morning, and no one was there. No one was allowed to wear a watch. No one was allowed to wear any timekeeping device or anything else. There was only one guy that was allowed to wear a watch, and he had to give it up at the beginning of each event. His that was just so you could. You could be there on time. Yeah. yeah. But if you got there, he had to give up his watch. Yeah. And then they would, you'd get there and you'd have a, a, a ruck on your back and the instructor would come out there and he'd be very, very, you know, blank faced. And he'd sit there and pick up his little card and he'd say, candidates, 
proceed down the marked path until you're told to stop. What are your questions? Now, if you ask a question, he will pick up the piece of paper again and he'll say, proceed down the marked path until you're told to stop. Do the best you can. And that's how they'll end every single task. Proceed down this path until you're told to stop. Do the best you can. So you don't know whether you're going to go three miles or whether you're going to go eight miles. And there's a marked path with little cones and whatever, and you just go. And there's no, so the, the and, and a lot of the tasks were variations of that, of, of how they did that. So the point is, is they're really looking at more a psychological aspect. They really want to see you gut it out. Yeah. They don't want to sit there and say, okay, are you, you know, this guy's a really fast runner. Okay. I got it. Check the block. He's a fast runner, but your performance from event to event without any particular standard is how they're going to evaluate you. Basically looking at, is this a guy who actually knows how to push himself? So by removing those standards and by removing those, those, uh, conditions, they basically put you in a paradigm where they're like, do the best you can. And here's the key. Are, can you do that? Are you, do you have the, do you have the self-discipline to push yourself over this, over these uh, next three weeks in all of these uh, situations and they track it. And it's not necessarily what your mile time was. It's the evaluation is really, do you have self-discipline? Are you, can you do that? It sounds extremely simple, but when the instructor says, Proceed down the path. Do the best you can. Are you that person who's going to do the best you can without anybody? Nobody's, nobody's, there's no watch. There's no standard. There's no nothing. Do you have the psychological ability to perform in a, in a situation that's not cut and dried mm. and still have the discipline to push through it? So it's a little frustrating. I yeah. don't know how far I'm going. Well, that's frustrating. Well, do it anyway and do the best you can with what you got to deal with. Mm -hmm. So it's, I don't know if that came out right, but that's, that was the big part of this, of this, of the special forces training is getting yeah. in you to a mental paradigm where you're not going to know the end state necessarily when you begin, but you're still expected to perform as the best you can and push yourself and have that self-discipline and do what you can do with a, un, a not necessarily a determined situation before you, you don't know. The guy will purposefully not tell you the specifics with respect to the task. You will pick it up as you go, but we expect you to do the best you can and to push yourself and have that self-discipline and grind um, as you execute. I'm just curious, is that because they want to see like how much guys limit themselves or you know how strong their limiting beliefs are? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, I, we, the old term gold bricking or, you know, the guys that are kind of like, they, they basically build the course structure that the, 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 the course is built in a way that, um, will weed out people that are not, you know, there are people, the people that don't push themselves, the people that are, um, you know, that don't, uh, go the proverbial hundred yeah. percent all the time. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a relatively complex and simple at the same time, but again, the ability to go through a, a course that gives you vague, purposefully vague guidance and purposefully, 
uh, not specific standards to reach. However, you know the guy at the end's got a dog on watch, so you know they're keeping track. They just aren't. They just don't tell you how they're keeping track. And 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 the observation is really more. They're looking at your interaction with your other with the other candidates. They're looking at how. I mean, do you blow up? Do you do you lose your cool? Do you yeah. get during these tasks that are extremely frustrating? And some of the tasks are done where they're purposefully unmeetable. So they'll give you a task that they know you're probably going to fail. Mm. And, do you, and during, during that task that you're failing, are you going to blow up at your teammate? Are you going to yell at the, at the candidate to your left or right? Are you going to lose your cool? And are you going to not, are you going to start gold bricking and are you going to stop carrying your weight? It's, you see how it kind of all adds up. It's, yeah. it's a, there's a lot of psyche. The, the selection course is extremely physical. Believe me, it's extremely physical. It, they, they beat the heck out of you, but it's really more about the mental. Yeah. It's, and that's the big thing is, and that's kind of in, in the, it, they are, it's, it's very, very physical. However, it's more about the mental. Do you keep your cool? Do you blow up at a friend or your teammate or your, your fellow candidate? Um, do you lose your cool? Do you get frustrated? Do you quit? Or do you drive on and, 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 and just handle the situation the best you can and do it the best you can and push yourself. Do you have that self-discipline? And that's the way the course is designed. And it's uh, pretty effective. Uh, it's there, there, there are a lot of people that psychologically uh, can't, not because they're inferior people, but that's a psychological aspect that you have to have to be able to sort of operate under that paradigm. Yeah. So how exactly did that training change? Um, you know, you're thinking on how you approach mental performance on the job. I mean, I think it's, I mean, I'm, I'm not a patient person. Um, so that's one of my probably many faults is I'm not patient. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things from the special forces side is they're a little bit more cranial. They're a little more mental in the wear position. Um, so previously, um, you know, some of the other units I was in, they were, you know, much more um, b- brute force kind of execution Whereas on the special forces side, they're a little bit more um, mental in the execution right? and looking for that uh, a little bit more of operational patience and tactical patience. And like you're talking about, we, we're, and, and again, it's, you, can, you can apply it in a macro level or a, a micro level with respect to an individual task, collective task, or even a whole team or even approach to a season is looking at, you know, having that operational patience, having that operate, you know, to sort of not, you know, make sure you process the information and make sure we're not just wasting our time. Make sure that whatever you do, you're doing it efficiently and efficiency um, is, uh, is, is, is very key, especially when you have limited resources. And a lot of times that's, that's that, and you get, how can you get more from what you have? You have what you have. You're not, mm-hmm. that's, you're not getting a resupply. This is what you've got. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you're going to have to sort of, you're going to have to sit there and take a second and go, okay, how do we, how are we going to, how are we going to crack this nut? How are we going to do it? So that's an aspect of, you know, sort of learning how to, uh, keep that perspective at the same time when everyone else is kind of freaking out. Yeah. 
And what were some of the exercises that you guys did to, to prepare you for the job on the field? And I know we talked about one uh, prior where you said you have to be selective, where you're going into different buildings and you're trying to identify civilians versus uh, enemies kind of thing. Maybe you can just take us through some of the things that you did. Uh, yeah, sure. There's 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 a couple things that we did with everything. And, and first of all, there's a, a an acronym that we use. Um, we called PACE. Every, every single operation, every single thing you did, you had a PACE. And PACE acronym stands for Primary Alternate Contingency Emergency. So basically, every time you go into a situation, your, your, your thought process, even before it starts, is you're looking at what if that doesn't work? What if that mm -hmm. doesn't work? What if that doesn't work? And this is, you know, what are you going to do now? Um, with the expectation that there's going to be a failure. There's going to be a shortcoming. There's going to be right. something to happen. So be thinking about a primary alternate contingency emergency. You know, we, we just use the acronym PACE, but basically the, 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 the concept is, you know, what are you going to do? So we talked about before some of the uh, stress tests that we have in particular shooting ranges. We had ours a little bit more complex than normal ones. But when you go through them, they'll put targets up and the targets will be set in a certain configuration. And they'll purposefully set the targets up in a configuration where it is not, it's not pre-configured. I don't know, I don't know what's behind the door. So when we go through the door in a tactical situation for training purposes to try to emulate the real world, uh, there will be some targets that will be configured as non-combatants. And you'll have to look for those tells, whether they're holding a gun or whether they're holding a knife or whether they're, you know, there's... You know, it's not really that difficult, mm. but it's really difficult if you're panicking. It's really difficult if you're not, you know, doing like the slowest, smooth, smoothest, fast. You're coming through like we are. So all this builds on itself. And then you get into the, remember we talked about brilliance and the basics. And then mm. those things build into brilliant execution. So focus on the fundamentals. So when you go through to, a, to this target array, you're looking at targets. Some of the targets are combatants trying to kill you, some of the targets are non-combatants. And you need to be able to make those distinctions as quick as possible um, in order to uh, be successful in that operation. And then they'd purposefully change it around, purposefully trying to, trying to trick you. So they would take, uh, you know, they sit, certain targets would be purposefully dressed up as females or wearing dresses or whatever. And again, they're basically trying to just focus you and just trying to make it uh, raise the level of difficulty so that you learn how to focus on key elements. You learn how to filter mm -hmm. out information that doesn't matter and you learn how to focus on the information that matters so that when you go through the door within a very within just a few moments, you can at, you can assess what's going on, who are the combatants, who are the non-combatants and what you need to do at that time. And again, you don't have a whole hell of a lot of time to do that. Um, the other thing, like I said, the pace, some of the training they, they go through, you're, you're carrying your primary weapon. You have a, and if that jams, it's around like a little sling that we kind of set up real nice. And you basically drop it immediately, go to your sidearm. And then we, you know, the other guys would train how to shoot with their non-fire, non-firing or their non-prominent hand. Yeah. So all this stuff goes through. So you're basically learning how, and the concept mentally is, is that knowing that optimal is probably not going to happen and it's i remember so it so you're you're always expecting for there to be 
operating, you're, you, you, you almost, going back to that pace, you, you have a primary, but in, in the, when you go through the training and, and when you go through the training, your primary in the back of your mind is probably what you're not going to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is my plan. This is my primary. And I just hope I'm in the C and not in the E. You know, as I go down the thing, but, but if you, but if you already have that in your head, if you've already been trained that here's my primary alternate contingency emergency plan, Mm. and I've already been trained that filter information and the focus on information. And if I've been trained to process information, I've been trained to focus on the information. I'm not going to blast through the door and just start spraying bullets in the room. Yeah. I can't do that because there's non-combatants in the room. There's a, I don't know who's in there. I'm not, that's not an option. So my ability to be successful is, is, is uniquely tied, is critically tied to my ability to execute on the alternate plan, on the contingency plan, and at the same time, my ability to process information real time as fast as possible, because what I do, it depends. What are you going to do when you, what, what are you going to do when you go through the door? I don't know, but I'm prepared to do numerous things based on my training and I will yeah. process that information as quickly as possible and execute and do my job. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I love the, the pace, the primary alternate contingency emergency. And I think uh, that sort of relates to goaltending that there's always, we, we sort of compartmentalize the game. We say, Hey, this is going to happen here often. This is going to happen here, but I got to be ready to sort of jump outside that box a little bit. And the, what I what it sort of makes me think of is is something I like to call as a solution based mindset. And I'm just curious, you know, in your opinion, relating to sport, how can people develop that solution based mindset to sort of ignore problems, not get hung up on them and move on and just find solutions as quickly as possible? You know, I'm so glad you asked that question, um, because I think part of that has to be almost a culture within the within the coaches and trainers uh, in the sport in the sporting community and I think mm. it's getting a lot better um, but I think there's a culture aspect for that to take place because I, I see and I deal a lot with the youth side but yeah. you know you see a lot of coaches get real upset with players and I'm like well what did you expect them to do you know what did you expect them to do in that situation you didn't prepare them yeah, I, there's, a, there's a there's a there's a movie that came out um, uh, it was a long time ago. It was based on the book "We Were Soldiers Once and Young." Uh, it's about the LZ X-ray in Vietnam. Uh, mm. Colonel Moore, General Moore. Anyway, but there's a scene in the in the in the in the in the movie that it's it's but it's real. We, we do this all the time. So the helicopter comes in and lands. They're doing a mission. The helicopter comes in, lands. The colonel reaches grab reaches his hand into the helicopter grabs the platoon leader and says you're dead you're now in charge and then just backs away and then there's like now what are you going to do you know so he's like so the aspect of you know the the guy you know we talk about the hockey goalie you know the the hockey stick breaks but the play is still going on (laughs) are you know has that ever happened Oh yeah. You know, not, I mean, a rhetorical question, of course, but you're sitting there <laughs> saying is, can you, can you synthesize? Can you, uh, you know, sort of go through every single possible contingency? No, of course not. But what you yeah. can do 
is you can integrate exercises and drills just like on the, the special forces side, you can integrate exercise and drills that are purposefully designed to make the athletes process information, give them an unknown, give them something that is not, they have to, I don't know what's behind the yeah. door or there's a scenario where something happens and then the coach comes in and says, okay, today we're going to, you know, and it, sometimes it's, you know, it can be a little, it, it's, it's, you know, use your imagination but you want to create the condition where the where those athletes can be comfortable with uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing is, is that, you know, and then because so, and, and I, I mean, I'm trying not try to get too much in the semantics, but sometimes people talk about, you know, keeping your head and doing all the kinds of stuff and, you know, maintain. And, and so I say it that way on purpose. I don't say you got to be comfortable when it's uncomfortable. I'm saying you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. You've got to be okay with not knowing. So, and that's the aspect of on the, on the, some of the uh, soft training side is it's personality wise. And it's, it's, again, it's just a personality, but it's something that you can train. And I think develop where if you are in a situation where you are off balance, I, there was a, I just clicked in my head just a second. I was pretty, I think it was Merrill Andretti. There's a quote. Mm. I had a friend that used to have this on his on his wall. Merrill Andretti said, um, if you're in total control, you're not something along these lines. If you're in total control, you're not going fast enough. Mm. You know, I says, uh, so in order to achieve Ferrari, right? Huh? He was the racer for Ferrari, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Merrill Andretti, the fa- he was I'm old, so he was a famous racer, won a bunch of races, but he, one of his quotes was, if you're not, if you're, if you're in total control, you're not going fast enough. And sometimes the athlete has to be okay with being off balance. He yeah. has to be okay with being, with not knowing exactly what he's going to do. Mm. He has to be okay with the, un, you know, he has to be okay with being uncomfortable. I'm in an extremely uncomfortable situation, but I'm okay with it. And I'm not okay with it because I'm comfortable because I'm not comfortable. This sucks and I am nervous and I'm scared and I, I'm really freaking out right now, Yeah. but I can, but I've been prepared to deal with it. I've been prepared. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're going to not freak out. You're going to, it's not, that you're not going to be scared. You're going to, you're not going to be, you're going to be nervous. You're going to be scared. You're going to be worried. You're not going to know what to do now. What are you going to do? And you can do, there's, um, my uh, uh, neurology friend, uh, they, they people talk about fight or flight, yeah. And a lot of everyone's heard of that fight or flight. And my neurology friend will point out, and I agree with him. We said the same thing: is it's actually three things. It's flight, fight, or freeze. Freeze by far being the most common, right? And that's where you get into the most dangerous course of action. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to be okay with uncomfortable. And I think there are exercises and drills and, and training that you can do that basically exercise the brain and the better the brain is exercised. It's just like your muscles. Are your muscles okay with being tired? It's not that they're not tired, but you've been trained so that you have endurance and you have things you're okay with being out of breath. You're okay with being, with being tired. You're okay with being fatigued. You can still operate. And the same is true with the mental. You have to be okay with being a little mentally off balance, a little mentally 
you're mentally tired, you're mentally a little stressed out, you're mentally unsure, you're tired, you're sweating, you're out of breath, and all of those things, roll them over to the mental side. And those athletes that can function when they're out of breath, when they're tired, when they're fatigued, and when they're mentally off balance or when the situation's dynamic and changing and the pressure's on, now you've got brilliance. Now mm. you have the word elite with a capital E. Mm. Yeah, I love that, man. It's uh, So there's this thing called, um, and it's something that I discovered with, uh, it's kind of like a VO2 type training. It's called amygdala hijacking. Have you ever heard of that term? I Vaguely. So amygdala hijacking is basically the prefrontal cortex whenever you're under physical or emotional stress gets is the decision-making center in your brain and it actually gets cut off from the rest of the brain and, and the amygdala hijacking sort of kicks in. And that's why like when guys are under pressure, they choke or whatever. And, and it's because you have to literally train that. You have to train that connection to hold on. You have to train that. Uh, uh, that onset to focus on detail when you're tired. Um, and then there's this other thing called the vagus nerve and uh, something that a lot of people do now to train these flight or fight, these fight or flight responses is to actually go into ice baths and to submerge in an ice bath for a minute. And what you're doing is your brain is screaming at you to get out of the ice bath or like when you take a cold shower or something like that. And your vagus nerve is causing you to be like, oh, get out, get out, get out, get out. Right. And it's sort of um, and I always think about those two concepts because they relate to what you're saying and preparing for the hardest moments in your life, in your career, whatever it is. And I always say that everybody's real fresh in the first period. Right. All goalies, all players, everybody's fresh. But how good are you at the end of the game when it comes down the wire and how good are you going to be if there's a five on three with two minutes left in the championship game and you're up by a goal? Have you prepared? Have you trained for those moments? Have you trained that vagus nerve? Have you have you trained that uh, amygdala hijacking to to delay the onset? One hundred percent. It's relating exactly to what you're saying, and that's why I love that you're diving into. I'm a big advocate for that because you would never truly get fully comfortable with being in that state, but you eventually become and you 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 feel like you have more control once that state starts to onset. Does that make sense? No, that's a hundred percent. That's the same kind of thing. I was, you know, I said, be comfortable with uncomfortable. And it sounds like an oxymoron because you're saying, okay, you're uncomfortable dummy. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you're uncomfortable, but you're not freaking out about it. You you're, you're, you're okay with being uncomfortable. And the only reason you can do that is by making yourself uncomfortable in training. You, you, and, and, and so the same way that you get your muscles to be able to last a little longer is you have to train them. But the same thing is true with the mind, the mental, and those aspects on the cognitive aspects of cognitive training is training the brain as not a, as a part of your training portfolio. Mm. You basically put cognitive uh, decision-making training into your portfolio of training so that you're training the brain. So that brain can become, you know, you, you don't want your brain to be flabby. You want your brain to be cut. You want the brain to be firm, that neuroplasticity. Yeah. You want that brain to be developed so that when that when that uh, situation happens in the third period, you're up by a goal, what you were just describing, when that situation happens, your brain is not in any kind of, it's, it's it, your brain is pumping, 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 yeah. and that blood is pumping to the brain. And that's okay because your brain is trained. Your brain is in shape. 
your brain is processing that information and you're sitting there going, this is what I try. This is, this is it, yeah. man. I, yeah. I want to be in this situation. This is the situation I've been waiting for. I, this is awesome. I've been waiting for this highlight reel all year. Finally. Yeah. Um, I'm getting it, you know, so, but I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but, but I do think that the way that you prepare is by preparing. And it's, it's in some ways going back to the beginning on the fundamentals and the basics and say, well, how you do that? How you do that? I says, well, create situations that are, uh, that are, that, that sort of emulate that to the best you can. Now it's very difficult. Some stress is very difficult, but you can get creative and you can create stress Mm. and you can create situations where, uh, there is a decision-making process. And again, you just prepare and by preparing, you have to prepare on the mental side as well. So the cognitive training, creating aspects where you actually exercise the brain, um, and, and, and synchronous with the body. Because it's not one or the other. It's one thing. So if the brain, if the muscles are functioning extremely well, but your brain's not functioning well, then it, there's no, then, then no point. Yeah. And uh, it sort of relates to that. Do you want to be a fighter in that situation? Do you want, like your brain in that situation, you just said, like, this is what I've been training for. So when you get there, you either going to freeze or you're going to flight. Like in your head, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And I want out. Or are you going to embrace the opportunity um, and sort of take the reins on it, right? No, absolutely. Embracing the opportunity, but also, like I said, having the, because like I said, even if, even if you, if your muscles aren't prepared, then you're not going to be able to do it. You have to train them. And I think the, the mind and the brain and the cognitive has to be trained. Um, and, and it's something that I think, it's, uh, especially on the younger side, I think the, the upper level guys are, are sort of doing it more. Um, but I think it's, it's something that needs to become even more so, uh, something that the coaches and trainers embrace with respect to cognitive training and looking at, you know, from my perspective, cognitive vision training, but, but also looking at constantly looking for ways to, to challenge the athletes, information processing, decision-making speed of reaction. Yeah. Can they process this information? And again, I think it's, it's been clinically proven that you can train the brain. The brain can get faster. The brain yeah. can get faster and stronger, just like your muscles can. Yeah. And the faster and stronger your brain is, the better these outcomes are going to go. Yeah. And I just want to finish off because I, I just love this discussion. I'm a big advocate of this part uh, of athletics. I think that the what you went through and 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 that's why I wanted to bring you on is because I just know that that same ty- type of, of brain training that they put you through is the same thing that it takes to be an elite athlete, right? And a lot of people think that the conditioning at the end of practice is is just for the body. But really, the conditioning at the end of practice is also for the mind, right? And it's the same thing that you went through in your special forces training where they, they said, Hey, do as many as you can. Right. And it's, it's, it's not always your first and your second, your third rep. Like I said, you know, everybody's fresh in the first, but how, how good are you in your 10th rep? How good are you on your 15, 20, 30th, 40th rep? You know, if you're doing suicides, do you start to slack toward the end of those suicides? That's where you're growing the most, right? When you're going outside of that, that equilibrium or that level of homeostasis, you're telling your body, Hey, I need to go here. You need to adapt and you need to, you need to sort of get up to my level. Um, and I don't know if you share that same mentality. 
No, I, I mean, we used to say, uh, are your muscles in control or is your mind in control? Mm. Who's, 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 who's in charge here? Um, and, and that's, you know, another way to say it just, you know, it's, it's another, another saying, um, we used to say is, and you have to have a strong mind before you can have a strong body. And it is in that order. You cannot be strong physically without first being strong mentally, because your mental strength is what's going to enable you to push yourself through certain amounts of discomfort or pain or whatever it is in order to obtain, obtain that physical strength, but mental strength is more important. It comes first and then physical strength. Mm. And along with that mental strength, again, from my advocacy is, you know, looking for ways and tools and training that focus on training the athlete, deliberately training the athlete, uh, to give them training that that's going to help them process information, information processing and, uh, and, and really you know, get, we used to, uh, another hashtag brain sweat. So basically in your exercise, your training and your routines, you want to get some brain sweat going. You want to create drills. You want to create exercises. You want to have things that you're doing that cause the athlete to process information so that he has to stay focused. Because when you're talking about that third quarter or period, I'm sorry. Mm. Um, when you're talking about that, a lot of times the mind the mental fatigue can be more dangerous than the physical fatigue. Totally. And you want to be basically have that conditioning uh, of the, of the cognitive training so that the mind is, is, is not, uh, is, 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 uh, it has some endurance to it and you can focus and you can concentrate. So when that guy's coming, coming at you, your ability to focus, your ability to concentrate, and your ability to remember what that pace is. Yeah. Here's what's going on. I'm, I've got there's there's A B C D, and I'm I'm watching those tells. I'm watching that information. The brain is processing terabytes of data every second. Yeah. And I'm on this, and there is nothing he can do that I'm not on it because I'm focused on the information processing, and then I'm going to deliberately, I'm going to deliberately block whatever he's got coming at me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love I, I, I love that uh that we, we dove right into that. Um but uh before we move on a bit, you know, I'm just curious, did you ever have, you know, any close calls where you're on missions or anything and, and you know, maybe you could just detail, you know, what your closest call was, take us through the situation, how exactly you were trained to handle it, how exactly you did handle it, and what you were telling yourself as it was transpiring. Uh, well, that kind of goes back to you sort of sync to your training. So, I mean, I've, I was in several combat tours, so I've been in several engagements. Yeah. Um, and you know, there was several of them where they shot first. Um, and you know, there's all little war stories of, you know, what it sounds like with bullets coming at you. Um, but the, but the point is, is that I think when the whistle blows, when the shots are fired, um, like what we were talking about, and I think there's a lot of synergy there. So in a situation, we were, you know, sort of one situation, we were on a patrol and we sort of got ambushed. Uh, Mm -hmm. Well, not sort of, we did. Um, And they pulled off a couple of volleys before we knew they were there. Yeah. Um, 
But again, this was a fundamental that we had trained on. Um, we knew what to do. And we were better shots than they were. Um, so it's, you know, going through a patrol, uh, you know, in Iraq, you're sort of in an open area. There's not any trees to hide behind. Yeah, desert. Um, and, you know, the other person is obviously, you know, you know, firing you up. Um, and, you know, what goes, you know, the you know, it's almost like a, you know, what goes through your mind immediately is, you know, uh, I guess you can edit this. The first thing that goes to your mind is, you know, it's like, you know, that, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's bad. Um, what the hell happened? Why, how, you know, how, what, how did this, how did this guy, you know, get the drop on us? Um, but the thing about it is, and this is where I, I kind of talk, it's so to go through the process, the, the, there's an immediacy of the first, the first moments of the engagement where you're like that, that spark is going through and you're trying to make sense of this. What's yeah. going on? What just happened? Where is it coming from? Cause you, 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 you hear it. It's not quiet. Yeah. Um, but where is the fire coming from? Who's, where, where are they? How many of them are there? Do we need to disengage? Are we going to fight through them? Um, so in this situation, we felt like we could fight through them. And, um, but that initial, those initial seconds is very scary because you're what they're shooting is live yeah, uh, yeah. and very, very real um, and very, very dangerous and very deadly. So, but as you're processing it through uh, those first couple seconds, okay. But this is to me kind of the, the dynamic and I'll try to explain it is yeah, please do. it's the ability. It's not the, and like I said, being comfortable with uncomfortable it's not the ability not to be um, it's, it's not necessarily not being startled. It's not necessarily not being taken off guard. It's not necessarily not being, uh, you know, being uh, uh, off balance. Mm. It's the ability to regain it. Mm. And that's what the training and everything else say. So, when you're knocked off balance, when, in this case, when the other guys, you know, were hiding behind a bridge and the, uh, when they did that and when they got the drop on us, you know, we, the, the initial seconds were, what was that? You know, cause it's all kinds of stuff's going on and you're, you know, you're sitting there processing it. And, and the first seconds are, it's, it's, uh, it's chaos. It's complete chaos. And there's no, you're trying to figure out straight up and straight down and, you know, what's, what's going, there's those first seconds of chaos, but that's where the, 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 the mental training and the, the dealing with the situation is basically not your ability not to be taken off guard is your ability to regain it, mm. not your ability to be thrown off balance, but your ability to regain your balance. So a lot of your athletic motions, you're going to lose your balance and that's okay. And sometimes that's a part of the motion. You're going to throw yourself off balance and then regain it. But the ability to regain the balance. So in this case, our team regained our balance quite quickly and we're able to um, maneuver on them. And uh, well, I'm here and they're not. Yeah. Um, so 
but that's kind of, you know, in that situation, it, it is, it's extremely, not to say it's not very uh, scary, but your ability, our ability at the time and our training at the time and the team, the, the extremely fantastic team that I was, was on, um, that we weren't, we didn't freak out. And we were able to, after the first couple of seconds to ascertain the situation. And my senior weapon sergeant said, Hey, this is where they are. They're over there, blah, blah, blah. Let's do this and this. So we were able to execute the, uh, the maneuver and they, um, were very remiss that they ever shot at us. Yeah. I'm um, sure. but it was, but it was, but yeah, for the, I mean, for the takeaway though, it's it not yeah. to bore you with war story or details about a maneuver. It's just those initial seconds, I would argue almost always there's going to be an unstate, an, an instability. There's going to be an off balance. There's going to be a, an oh crap. Um, but I think it's the, the important part is not to, uh, the slowest, smooth, smoothest, fast, what's going on here. And I think you could even apply that to in a game or a situation or a break or something. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on here? Yeah. You know, process the information. Don't just jump and leap process information. Ask what's the situation, what's going on. And then maneuver around it and take them down. Mm. Um, and I, I think that's, um, that's what we did and that that's what we were trained to do. Yeah. It's all about how you react to the situation, even anything in life, not just in sports, right? Your reaction is everything. No, it's, it's what it's, and it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's the, we used to call it the next. Mm. It, what you do next is much more important than what just happened. What you do next is much, much, much more important than what just happened. And if you can mentally train so that you can, and it's easier said than done, but that's, that's sure. the reality. What you do next is much, much more important than what just happened. Mm -hmm. And your ability to do next in a deliberate fashion. And again, going back to, I would argue the cognitive training for you to be able to execute a brilliant or a fundamentally sound, I shouldn't even say brilliant. For you yeah. to be able to execute a fundamentally sound maneuver next, I would argue good things are going to happen. Yeah, totally. I love that. Um, I'm just curious when when you retired, uh, and you said you've been a lifelong youth sports coach. Um, how come you you love coaching kids so much? And and what's maybe the biggest thing you've learned about uh, you know kids or yourself over years coaching? Well, the coaching aspect, that's easy. I, it's, it's fun to try to influence and uh, try to influence somebody uh, to success. So you've got the experiences you've got, you've got the lessons you've learned, and you try to share that and you try to influence another guy and say, another guy or gal and say, hey, let me, let me share something with you. You know, let me try to encourage you and, and being able to influence success, being able to try to encourage someone and, um, so that they can, because I think there's so many positive things about it. There's so many things for self-confidence and just healthy lifestyles. So it's, it's fun. The short answer is it's just fun. It's fun working with, the with the, with the younger athletes to try to influence them in positive ways, build their self-confidence 
and uh, healthy lifestyles. And again, all that teamwork, that association with people, it's, uh, it's all very, very, very positive. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, that's the short answer of it. Yeah. And then using the lessons you built over your long career in the military, you know, what do you think, you know, in your opinion, young athletes need to focus on more in order to be prepared for the challenges that lie ahead of them, you know, as they get older in life and on the playing field? <laughs> Relax. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, and that's, it, it's, it's synonymous with all younger people. I mean, everyone who's younger, it's, you know, my, my dad's 91. He's still around and he's 91 and, you know, he's, um, so there's a, it's perspective. Um, but I, I, I think that the more you focus on what has already transpired, um, is negative, the more you can focus on, because what has already happened, you have no influence on that. Yeah. I cannot influence what happened one moment, one second, one split second. But what I can influence is what's fixing to happen. So when you're, you know, sitting there saying, there, there's one thing we used to, we used to, um, a thing that uh, a, another guy showed me and I picked it up because I thought it was great. He'd sit there and he'd have, he'd write on the list. And they, this was a baseball coach. So, but he'd write on the list, uh, he'd write it on a, a piece of paper. And he'd, he'd talk about, uh, okay, the other team hitting a home run, the other team, um, you know, doing this. Uh, making an error, overthrowing, uh, you know, so he listed out, you know, a dozen different negative things and he'd, he'd write them down and they'd go through them and he says, okay, these things have a really good chance of happening in the next couple hours. So when they do, we'll just check it off the list and move on. Mm. And it was just like, now that was for the younger guys, but it was basically because, because you, what, what happens especially with the young guys, you can see, and this is the biggest, to me, one of the, one of the big differences between if you go to a, uh, uh, you, if you go from a junior to a high school, to a college, to a pro, one of the things you'll, if you're paying attention, one of the things you notice is how unshakable the more seasoned athlete is. Right. Cause you heckle them and you got, doesn't matter. You know, for the guy who's, it doesn't matter. Well, cause he's, cause he's a seasoned athlete. He's a seasoned professional. And then trying to at least start that path for the younger kids and saying, look, if you commit an error, no big deal. Just try not to do it again on the next play. Yeah. And usually that's exactly what happens. He commits <laughs> an error and then the very next play, he commits another one. And God forbid he gets the ball again, because guess what? <laughs> it's, that's a downward spiral. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, you sit there. And so if you can try to come up with ways to try what I kind of come up with like this list thing is saying, look, check it off the list. You know, an error is well within the possibility of happening. So when it happens, when failure happens, move on with it. And you've got to be able to move on when you, when, when you, when you totally fall on your face, um, you got to get up and really uh, the guy who can get up, most often and best is a guy that usually uh, things turn out okay for him, you know, mm -hmm. because people think there's going back to military examples. There was a, um, I forgot who said it, but there's a guy who said that every single battle that ever happened, every single, practically every battle that ever happened in the history of war, both sides thought they were losing at one point in time during the battle. Mm. 
Right. You can go back to and you know with 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 obvious exceptions, but for general rule of thumb, practically every battle that's ever happened in the history of the world, there would have been combatants on both sides that thought they were losing at a particular time during the battle. And if you think about that, you know, you sit there and go, so you, one of the things I don't, the scoreboard doesn't matter. The scoreboard's for fans. Let the, let the fans worry about the scoreboard. I don't focus on the scoreboard. I focus on the next play, right? not the previous play, the next play, because that's the one I've got to steal. That's the one I can influence. And then when bad things happen, okay, that's happened and having that amnesia and everything else. So that's a long answer to a short question, but trying to, at the early stages, see if you can influence a, a, a mentality, a competitive mentality, but a, but a competitive mentality that's the right kind of competitive. It's competitive in your inability to accept defeat. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's uh, I love the passion too. that. I love it. I love it, man. I love it. Um, and then we're winding down here and, and I want to dive into your famous vector ball a bit, which I absolutely love. And I'm just curious, why exactly were you inspired to create the product and why do you believe in, in the mission of the company so much? Uh, well, basically a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about over the last, um, uh, for this talk, it's trying to come up with something that was, um, simple and that basically uh inspired a you know focus on the impact and focus on what's coming at you so we basically i came up with the uh, idea um because concentration and focus uh is critical so much in 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 all sports uh, especially all team sports and a lot of the um the mental aspects of uh, the, the kids kind of letting the situation get the better of them. So I wanted to create a product to saying, Hey, I want you to focus on the impact. I want you to forget about all this noise. Cause remember I talking about going to the room and you've got to filter out noise, right? You've got to be able to filter out noise. You've got to focus on the kinetic. You got to focus on the impact. Yeah. So basically coming up with the idea of saying, what if I could create a ball that changed colors randomly? And then we create basically uh, almost a physical training, physical therapy type training that would create a paradigm that would actually train him to focus without, and he's, we do games and we do all kinds of little things yeah. and he doesn't even realize Sometimes they don't even realize what's going on. I mean, there's a lot of complex things going on, but we'll, we'll create games. We'll create other things with it. But coming up with the idea saying, Hey, what if I had a ball that changed colors randomly? What if I could create a ball that changed colors randomly? And then I can implement it into all these different drills that would basically create an unpredictable next step. And that's kind of what the vector ball does. And, and like, you know, the simple wall drills that we do catch it with your right hand, catch it with your left hand, catch it with both hands, which seems again, very simple, but back to the beginning on brilliance and the basics, being able to process information and being comfortable with doing that. So with the vector ball, one of the primary concepts, one of the primary uh, aspects of the vector ball is the ability, our, our drills and exercises where the athlete does not know the next step. He won't know the next step until he gets that visual information. So the vector ball is going to create an unpredictable uh, color in this case a color change so it might be red it might be green it might be blue i'm not sure 
but I need to focus and concentrate and learn how to focus and concentrate and anticipate the information because there's a lot also inside color because processing color is also another level of processing. Mm. So I'm going to basically focus and look for that information tell, and then I'm going to see a particular tell blue and then blue is going to process in my brain. And I'm going to say blue means X and then I'm going to execute a, a, a particular action as deliberately, as accurately, as quickly as I can, but consistent on the information, not because I was going to do it anyway. Right. So if I go right, it's because I saw red, not because I was already leaning right and I was waiting for him to blow the whistle mm-hmm. because I'm waiting to learn how to focus. I'm learning how to concentrate. And so the vector ball provides this unpredictable future event. So whether you're bouncing it or catching it or tossing it or, or uh, on the various myriad of different drills that we do with it, um, you're basically creating uh, creative exercises that give unpredictable future events. So bouncing two at the same time, changing hands, um, changing positions, going left, going right, going back, uh, doing uh, shuttles, uh, shuttle runs, shuttle exercises. There's a whole myriad of exercises that we do, and then we do them in cycles. So they go, 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 go. But on every single repetition, the brain is cycling information and it's the brain is learning to process information back to the slow is smooth. Don't sit, don't go off half cocked. I don't want to just go left because I'm guessing. I want to go left because I saw that tell because my brain process information and I want to yeah. synchronize that. So the vector ball is about giving that green, red, blue, unpredictable visual information that green, red, blue, unpredictable information during the execution of an exercise or drill so that the athlete is conditioned to process information and process it more accurately and more quickly. And at the same time, as you build the exercises up, we build the difficulty. So now we start putting more, you know, figuratively speaking, we're putting more barbell weight on the brain as we do these drills more and more and we do them uh, create more complex uh, vector ball vision training exercises Mm -hmm. and therefore basically giving the brain a little bit of workout along with the other things that you do. But we want to make sure that that brain is learning to make, to learning to process information in the exact same time simultaneously with an athletic or a maneuver, catch, bounce, skate, move forward, whatever it is. But I want to do that as I'm processing information, not because I'm just practicing moving a muscle. Mm. And I'm just curious, do you think going forward, you know, modalities such as the vector ball that work on cognitive speed and reaction can help give athletes an edge on the playing field? Absolutely. Obviously, yes. I mean, like I think everything we talked about from my perspective and from my, in my opinion, I think it's critical. I think, I think cognitive vision training with the vector ball along with a lot of other um, training that you can do like we talked about but I think cognitive vision training with the vector ball will help prevent mental mistakes it'll help exercise the brain and it'll help speed up the game speed you you, you we always see athletes that might be a little faster than another athlete but seems like during a during a game they're they're a step slower and I would suggest that some of that mental processing is what the difference is that because your ability, there's one more little phrase we'll have here is the flash to bang. Right. What's the flash to bang? Because it doesn't matter how fast your muscles twitch. 
without that flash to bang. Right. What's the time between the flash to bang? The time for the information and the time that something is de deliberately correctly done about it. So the flash to bang. So with the vector ball, the diff three different colors give you a mechanism to do drills and exercises that give you a flash to bang exercise. So what is how fast am I is not about, again, muscle twitch as much as it's about the flash to bang. And the flash is I'm presented with information. Hmm. How fast from the presentation of information to the time that I can execute a deliberate, correct maneuver, uh, movement. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think that is absolutely critical, um, in making a, making athletes better mentally speed of reaction, but also developing that cognitive ability so that I believe they will be a little bit more, um, uh, their brains will be a little bit more, um, in shape. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's becoming, uh, a bit more of a mainstream thing as the game has gotten faster. Uh, you know, um, everybody's sort of looking for that next edge. And I think that on the physical side of things, um, we've sort of, uh, we've capped out a little bit and in terms of like resistance training and type of training. So it's like, where can we get those half seconds back? Where can we get those quarter seconds back? And I believe that you can on the cognitive side as well. Um, but John, do you have any last words of advice for everyone listening that you feel passionate about? Well, I have a couple of last words. I, number one, I want to first thank you for the opportunity. Um, this was a, great um, privilege of mine to be able to talk to you and, and your audience. Of uh, I want to thank you for that. Um, and you've seen my emails, so you probably know the next thing that's coming. Um, above everything else that you do, um, what I try to do is learn to think like Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, that to me is the ultimate. And if you learn to be mentally stable and mental rest. And uh, in those aspects, I think for the, if, if you want to know the ultimate, <laughs> if you want to know the ultimate in mental stability, if you want to know the ultimate in mental knowledge, um, to me, my advice for everybody is uh, pick up a copy of the Bible and learn to think like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right now I'm actually Roman Catholic, so I uh, I've practiced for for my whole life, really, me and my family. Um, but John, thank you for coming on the show, buddy. Uh, you know, absolute pleasure to chat and, and dive in deep into some of the most elite training in the world put on by the U.S. military and special forces. And I know that the mental performance that the job requires has quite a few similarities when it comes to high performance sport. And I know everyone today definitely is going to love giving the vector ball a try. I love what we talked about. I love the passion. Um, and I can't thank you enough for coming on, but can you just let everyone know where they can find you online to connect with you and your company? Uh, yes, we have a website. It's Ion Ball Inc. And it's just one word, E-Y-E-O-N-B-A-L-I-N-C, Ion Ball Inc. Uh, we also have a, a Twitter and a uh, Instagram page, which has the same handle. Um, so please come and visit us. We've got a lot of cool videos and uh, a lot of cool stuff that we post, uh, almost on a daily basis. Um, so come check out our Instagram page. Um, again, it's Ion Ball Inc, E-Y-E-O-N-B-A-L-L-I-N-C, Ion Ball Inc. Um, and please come check us out. And, uh, we're on the, we also sell them on the Amazon as well. Um, and 
email us anytime. Please follow us on Instagram. And we would love to uh, entertain your questions and talk to you about training. It's something that I, uh, I love to do. Yeah, well, go check out John Lindsay uh, with Vector Ball, Ion Ball, Inc. And all the links will be provided in the show notes. And after retiring from a 20 plus years in the U.S. military, John's mission is now to help enhance performance of the next generation of athletes through cognitive training. And if you haven't seen him or his product, go give him a look. Maybe somewhere down the road, we'll have you back on the show, man, if that's something that interests you. That would be super cool. I would really, really appreciate it. Yeah. All right, buddy. Thanks for coming on. You take care, stay safe, and we'll chat soon, man. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up ready to come on to the show in the next few months. Make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. as I have the founder and head trainer at Mind Body Fusion, Matt Calderoni, coming on the show next week. We discuss the shift going on in sports psychology and why his company focuses much more on lifestyle choices and a resiliency mindset to help elevate your mental performance. This conversation was super fire, and and Matt is an incredibly passionate guy, and he did not fail to deliver. I know you guys are going to love us one, so make sure to tune back next week. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for the NeuroTracker X subscriptions we're giving away every week. And to enter the giveaway, if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer and leave a review and rating on there as well. And once you leave a review of the podcast, take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. If you guys are also interested in getting started with the product, feel free to hit me up either by email or on Instagram direct messages to get more details get excited guys great things ahead i hope you enjoyed today's show and i'll see you next week